Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. Now that's an intro piece rivaling that of Mars Attacks, but instead of Danny Elfman composing the marvelous piece you just heard, it was David Arnold, famous for other works included in sci-fi films such as Stargate and Independence Day. But that's not what we're here to get into today. No, no, we're here for The Stepford Wives. Well, it is probably the most important book any of us will ever read. Hi, I'm Reese Hendrick, host of Science Factual, and for this episode we take a look at two adaptations of the satirical novel The Stepford Wives by author Ira Levin. It had been a while since seeing the 2004 adaptation and my first time seeing the 1975 version, so when this week's guest Andrea Menchaca suggested The Stepford Wives, I had to double check that it is in fact science fiction. And uh, yeah, it sure is. Andrea and I met up before the Underbar mic in Vancouver, Washington to discuss the first 1975 film adaptation and the 2004 remake. Now, if you haven't seen either film or read the book, that's understandable, especially from a sci-fi standpoint. I mean, the trailers I've seen don't particularly speak to the sci-fi nerd populace, but I hope to change that perspective throughout the course of this episode. And if you don't comply, I'm sure we can come up with some sort of alternatives to help you. See your police and things. In the meantime, here's a good old-fashioned spoiler alert, spoiler alert. By the way, I haven't read the book, but after doing some research and watching the 1975 version, which does closely follow the book, apparently, I have it on my to-read list. There's a lot of gossip going around about the film, so why don't I serve up a nice synopsis roast fresh out of the oven so everyone's up to speed. In fact, this overview of differences between the book, 1975 version, and 2004 film version comes from a website called whythebookwins.com and was submitted by an author who goes by Laura. Joanna and her husband Walter leave Manhattan in favor for the quiet suburban town of Stepford, Connecticut. Once there, Walter joins a men's association which women aren't allowed in. Joanna tried befriending the neighbors, but none of the women are interested in spending time with anyone other than their immediate family, and all say how they don't have time to socialize because they spend all of their time cooking and cleaning. However, another woman new to the neighborhood contacts Joanna and they become fast friends and talk about how odd all the other women are. They also meet another woman who is fairly new to the town, Charmaine, and befriend her as well. Eventually, Joanna sees a change in both Bobby and Charmaine. Both have become like all the other women, obsessed with cleaning and cooking and talking about how great and hardworking their husbands are. Joanna realizes what is going on in the town, the men are killing the wives and replacing them with lifelike robots that embody the perfect sexy housewife. She finds out too late though, and in the end, she herself is killed and is replaced with a robot of her own. This is a synopsis of the book and the 1975 version. The 2004 movie doesn't follow the book nearly as closely as the 75 movie did. Anyway, in regard to the 75 version, it stays incredibly true to the book. There are some differences, of course, but still stays true to the integrity of the novel. Catherine Ross stars as Joanna and does a fine job. Paula Prentice is Bobby and does a good job capturing the free-spiritedness of the character in the times, although in the book it's implied that Bobby has some meat on her bones whereas Prentice is very thin. Not that that matters because all bodies are beautiful. 
Both characters never wear a bra, which is done symbolically, showing their freedom and non-conforming nature. It also highlights the fact that Joanna has very small breasts. When you see her as a robot, the breasts are shown and are, of course, huge. Now, the biggest difference is in the ending between the 1975 version and the book. In both the book and the movie, Joanna goes to a therapist the morning of her death, and in both versions, while talking to the therapist, she says the women in Stepford are like the lifelike robots in Disneyland. In the book, following this realization, on her way home, she stops at the library and looks through the archived newspapers to learn more about the president of the men's association, Dale Diz Corba. She already knew that he used to work at Disneyland, but in her reading, she finds out that he worked on robots while there. She ties two and two together and surmises that the women are indeed being killed and replaced by robots. She then stops by the pharmacy and sees the pharmacist, an unattractive bald man with a comb over, and his wife. She is, of course, beautiful and young, all the women seem to be in their early 30s, and is repeating the action of wiping a counter and picking up a glass over and over, the closest thing we see to a robot glitching in the book. Once arriving home, Walter tells her that the kids are at a friend's house. She asks where they are because she's going to take them with her and drive to stay at a friend's house in the city. She and Walter argue, and he tells her to go rest in the bedroom, which she begrudgingly does. After being up there a short while, she sneaks downstairs and hears Walter in the den talking on the phone. He's taken her purse and keys, so she escapes outside and runs around town trying to figure out where to go. It's nighttime and snowing, so she's cold and realizes that literally every man in town will be out looking for her and that in this weather it'll be impossible to escape. Eventually a car of three men find her and they tell her she's imagining everything and that Walter's worried about her. They tell her that they can take her to the association and she can look around for herself and see that nothing weird is going on there. Major gaslighting. She instead says that what would convince her would be seeing a Stepford wife bleed, because if they are robots, they wouldn't have blood. She says that she wants to go to Bobby's house since Bobby is her friend and would be willing to cut her finger for her. A couple of the guys aren't crazy about the idea, but that's what they end up deciding. One man runs ahead and lets Bobby know, while the others walk over with Joanna. Joanna then goes inside on her own while the men wait outside. Upon entering, she hears loud rock music playing upstairs and finds it odd, but Bobby is there holding a large knife and says that she would be happy to help Joanna and show that she bleeds. Joanna finds it odd that Bobby's chosen such a large knife, and as Bobby calmly gets closer and closer, you can sense the impending doom. And although it cuts away to the men standing outside, you know that Bobby has just killed Joanna with the knife. Now the movie ending is a little bit different. She goes to the therapist and makes the Disneyland comment, but that's as far as it goes. She never does research into Diz Corba at the library. Once again, she returns home with no pharmacy visit, and Walter has been drinking, tells her the kids aren't there. They argue and Walter gets forceful. She pushes him and then he falls on the stairs after she then runs into her room and locks the door. A short while later, she again sneaks out of the room and hears Walter on the phone in the den. She runs out into the rain, not the snow, and runs to Bobby's house. She assumes her kids would be there, but it turns out they aren't. Bobby offers to make coffee, meanwhile Joanna's telling Bobby how everything is wrong and this isn't who Bobby is. She takes a large knife as she bleeds and cuts her finger to show it. She then stabs Bobby in the stomach and, of course, no blood comes out. She steps back in shock and fear while Bobby removes the knife and starts to glitch. She repeats actions and words in a very robotic way, and I particularly like this part and I think it was a good addition from the original story. After this, Joanna runs back home, sneaks up on Walter, and hits him in the head with a fireplace poker. Uh, by the way, the special effects in this movie are definitely lacking, but very charming in a 1975 kind of sense. You know, like ketchup and such. She asks where the kids are, and he says the association. She goes there, and of course it's a trap. She meets Corba there, where he admits to what they've been doing, though doesn't go into too much detail. This is a big difference, though, because in the book, none of the men ever admit anything, even when they know she's about to die anyway. She then tries to escape, and while running through the association, opens a door which leads to a room that's been replicated to look like her bedroom. Not sure why they needed to replicate the part of the house. I guess they wanted to give the robot a place to live and acclimate it to its surroundings. Uh, but anyway, she's obviously taken aback. The camera then does an amazing slow pan across the room before finally landing on robot Joanna brushing her hair. She turns around and has black eyes along with the giant breast, in contrast to the actual Joanna. The robot Joanna stands and is holding a stocking in her hands and approaches Joanna. It isn't shown, but it's pretty obvious the robot strangles her with said stocking. 
The last scene in both the movie and the book are almost exactly the same, which shows Joanna shopping in the grocery store, looking beautiful and perfect along with the other wives. The biggest difference here is that in the book, it's told from the perspective of the latest woman who moves in, Ruth Ann. She sees Joanna and thinks to herself how pretty Joanna looks. She asks about her photography and Joanna pleasantly tells her that photography was just a waste of time and she stopped taking pictures. The woman then goes home and in a conversation with her husband talks about their upcoming weekend anyway, which of course means she will be soon killed and replaced. Then the book just kinda ends. In the movie, this character is shown briefly in the store arguing with her husband, once again implying that she will be the next to change, though not in such an obvious way like the book. This scene is the only one that shows people of color, as the couple arguing are the new black couple in town that gets mentioned by a character earlier in the film as being proof of Stepford's liberal leanings. Again, that's the 1975 version. Okay, so let's get into some facts about the production of the 2004 film, as that's the version that most people are familiar with, regardless of how much it deviates from the original storyline. However, before we move on, I do have to address Asimov's three laws of robotics, uh, the first of which is that a robot cannot take it upon itself to harm a human being, which is a law that is clearly not taken into consideration in Levin's novel, being that uh, Joanna is killed by the robotic version of Bobby. Anyway, just had to point that out. Directed by Frank Oz, who at least to me is way more famous for having voiced Master Yoda throughout the years. You seek Yoda. And written for the screen by Paul Rudnick, the movie does have a decent cast. Starring Nicole Kidman, Bette Midler, Glenn Close, Matthew Broderick, Christopher Walken, among others, the film is often met with mixed reviews, especially when compared to the 1975 version that stays more in line with the events of the book. As an aside, siblings John Cusack and Joan Cusack were originally cast as Walter Cresby and Bobby Markowitz, respectively, but had to drop out of the film for, quote, family reasons, whatever that means. The film was originally going to keep the book's ending, but it was changed when test audiences didn't like it. That's the early 2000s for you. Heavily re-edited and rewritten following test screenings, with new scenes shot and others deleted, the attempts to cater to test audiences backfired as the new edits and scenes created continuity errors and major story problems. The theatrical trailer includes snippets of scenes not even used in the final film, like Bette Midler's character having some, quote, technical problems and saying goodbye over and over again. Sounds creepy. Should have left it in. Walter Cresby, played by Matthew Broderick, makes reference to, quote, The Wind Beneath My Wings, a popular song made famous by Bette Midler, who appears in the film. There are several nods to the original 1975 film. Mike, named for where he used to work at Microsoft, versus Diz, named for Disneyland. Robo Rover 3000 is modeled after the same breed as the family dog in the original. Bobby Markowitz has a disaster of a kitchen at the beginning of the movie, and in the original she mentions that Joanna's messy kitchen is a, quote, home away from home. The family portrait in the men's association versus the pencil drawings of each wife in the original is another nod. One more that was noticed by keen-eyed nerds over at IMDb is that the location used for the rotunda in the men's club setting in the 2004 remake was the same one that was used in the original film. Pretty cool. At the end of the day, however, the 2004 remake is hovering at about 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, while the 1975 version sits a bit stronger at 68%. So, take that for whatever it's worth. Some critics were more receptive to the film. Roger Ebert called Paul Rudnick's screenplay rich with zingers and gave the film three stars. However, in the worst movies of 2004 episodes of At the Movies with Ebert and Roper, he admitted that while he gave the film thumbs up, it wouldn't be the first movie that he would defend. By the way, Stepford is a fictional town, although not dissimilar to other notably rich towns in Connecticut with names like Greenwich and Stamford. There is rumor that the town was based on the real town of Darien, Connecticut. The town in the film is more in line with the white picket fences that come with imagined 1950s American white male patriarchal capitalist wet dreams that have since been proven to not only be a farce, but inherently dangerous with sexist and xenophobic overtones. 
Since the remake, there has been a surge in cases of, quote, Stepford Syndrome. In the classic sense, Stepford Syndrome is more about having an attractive, dutiful, and subservient wife, says New York plastic surgeon Lawrence Reed, who does not have, nor does he want, a Stepford wife in the classic sense of the word. He says his wife works hard, and he does not need to come home to a hot meal and iron shirts. This is, quote, misogynistic and inconsistent with modern times, end quote. I happen to agree with the doc. Now, if there is a Stepford syndrome, it's certainly media-driven. Quote, the media is creating the impression that everyone has to be beautiful and have a perfect face, Reed continues. There is a perception generated today that if you are not perfect, you don't exist. Unfortunately, it seems like the doc is correct. For now. Trust me, before you go putting too much stock into wanting to look like a trophy wife or husband, unless that truly brings you joy, just remember that going under the knife for cosmetic surgery that isn't corrective has a general success rate of over 98% for non-major or invasive surgeries. But you never know whether they wheeled you into the correct room for the correct procedure, or if it's even going to be you that comes out the other end. Up next, we have a fantastic interview with Portland comedian Andrea Menchaca. We had a great conversation before the underbar mic in Vancouver, Washington, and then I started recording. We got to talking about the 1975 original movie, the 2004 reboot, and what kind of high heels would suit me best. So, enjoy. I'm now recording. <laughs> so all of that was lost. Yeah, all of that. Well, they straight got, to the they point, I hated that movie. <laughs> yeah, worst movie ever. Gosh. I don't know why I even picked it. Yeah, so I apologize, but <laughs> we now have to actually start completely over. I kind of forgive you, but... Okay. thank you. Yeah, because we just talked about a whole bunch of great shit. It was, I mean, cars? You lost all of my cars footage. I lost all of the cars <laughs> material. So sad. Very sad. Well, the folks, the voice other than my own is Andrea Menchaca. I said it correct again, right? That is wrong. No, just kidding. Okay. Well, I'm just fucking with you. Again, no flair. I, I refuse to put flair on it. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's right. No, you said it right. It's Thank Andrea you. Menchaca. Yes. Comedy. That's my full name. At Andrea Menchaca Comedy on Instagram. Thank you for joining me. We're here at Underbar. This is the first time that I've been here, actually. We are underbar, but we're above it. Because I feel we're like we're better than the other people. <laughs> yeah. We are so much better. Well, I was on the big chair. Man, and then you, yeah, you forced me down to the this little chair. This episode is supposed to be about sci-fi like usual, but it's mostly about feminism and telling men to get down from the taller chair. Yeah, it's true. And I, I almost went on the floor at one point, but then I realized, why am I pandering? I'm a man. <laughs> All right. I'm a man. I'm going to sit equal footing with I'm you. I'm just going to walk away with this and mic and do symbolic. my own thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know well, how to upload it, but I'll make it, ha- I'll make it work. Yeah, just send it to me in the mail. Send me the SD card. The you, actual you, you, mic? You can keep the mic. No, you can keep it. The package is ticking and you're like, oh shit, it explode. <laughs> explode with hilarity. All right. That was bad. Let's, yeah, that was I hope bad. that's edited. You can edit that out. Embarrassing. I'm not that good at editing, so a lot of this is gonna actually. You just be like, actually, fuck yeah. it. I need now. I definitely need the time. I need. I need all. Yes, you it. have nothing, dude. <laughs> yeah, I've got. Is nothing. that even anything in there at all? No, nothing. No, I mean like a battery or something. You just magically works. No, this is all. This has all been a ploy just to get me spend to time talk some you. feminist shit into the void, and you're like, ha ha. <laughs> right. Nobody's gonna yeah, hear exactly. that. <laughs> yeah, just like usual, nobody's. This- <laughs> Whoa! That was mean! No, that was just... I'm just being... I'm just observing. Myself. <laughs> you were like... Look, alright. They told me to be myself, and I, myself is an asshole, so... Yeah. Well, I just want to be my best self for everyone. Always. Because that's, that's what we're here to do, is to conform. You know what the nice thing about podcasts is nobody can see my judgmental face? Because I have one. No, just hear your judgmental voice. All right, so Andrea, how <laughs> how did you get started in stand-up comedy? Trauma. Yeah. It was traumatic. Oh, tra- I have right. had a very traumatic life, and that's all my sets are about that. I feel like when people don't talk about the trauma in comedy, I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, I've got nothing to relate to. Yeah, I need more. I'm yeah. going to background. Well, that, that's why I love Jerry Seinfeld. Bringing it to... You like Jerry Seinfeld? I love... 
You didn't even finish saying the name, but I was like, I know where you're Yeah, going. Jerry Seinfeld I love because of his observational humor. On soup? <laughs> yeah. And sidewalks? Oh, yeah. And phones? <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah. I'm trying to give you like the most boring ones, and you're like, I'm all about it. Oh. Yes, that's the one. Mm, yeah. Parking lots. Uh. No. <laughs> um, no, I totally feel you on that. It, it, I need something to relate to. Group therapy. Yeah, there is oh, this definitely. one mic in Portland. It's definitely like group therapy because it's pretty small. The turn, turn, turn. I haven't been to that one. Well, dude, I'm just forcing you to go to all these places. I'm gonna try to do the underbar later today. Turn, turn, turn is on Sundays. Yeah. We're out. North Portland. North Portland. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I don't like run it or anything. I'm just like, this is a oh, mic. Okay, well, I, I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. Of my own volition. I won't rely on you. I'll, I'll do it myself. Yeah, I'm not very reliable. Y you were here on time. I went and drink. <laughs> motivation got it i feel like i'm gonna ask you questions you can is that you can have, you have a question for me um why would you pick the taller chair it's a tall person thing there's i have less distance to go napoleon. from one chair to the other it's a, yeah it's a reverse napoleonic <laughs> reverse complex. napoleon yeah. complex get down from the step stool giving you a headache yeah i need exit row seats i'm all i'm all the way down and back in any car that i go into exit row like in planes or trains Nobody goes on trains anymore. Uh, I love trains. What are you five? And, and, and so does so does Neil Young. What does that have to do with anything? He loves trains. Just I like to bring him up sometimes. Yeah, he's just a guy who loves trains. Yeah. Sebastian Bach. All right, that's not what we're here like to talk trains. about. We're here to talk about the Stepford Wives. You lost my cars and materials, so we're talking about trains now. Yeah. <laughs> anything with wheels will do. Okay. Well, they're not. I don't think that they're turning. Okay. They <laughs> Good. All right. I like it when it's people good. make pauses so I can like ruin the sentence. It's my favorite. Well, you did you did great at that one. Thank you. Yeah. Before we get into Stepper Wise, what was your first exposure to sci-fi? The Bicentennial Man. And every time I say that, I have to think about it because I feel like I'm going to say it wrong. No, you got it. Uh, R.I.P. Robin Williams. Yeah. So. What was that show that he had when he was like, kids Mark were and raised by robots? Oh, I don't know about that. But I... Uh, maybe that was... Maybe you had the right name. That Well, that was... Uh, he was a Martian, I think. Nanu Nanu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he okay. wore the, the... No, that's not the one. Weird I mean. I didn't like that one so much. I mean, I kind of like everything he does, but I feel like that one was a little... <sighs> yeah, so Bicentennial weird. Man, though, is a, is a great story. It's an Isaac Asimov uh, short story. You just knew that? I just knew that. I didn't even need to look it up in the previous iteration of this. Fuck you, Google. Yeah, dude. Fuck Google. I just had that queued up. You just use your nugget. Yep. <laughs> what? Sure. <laughs> How old am I? How old are you? No. I mean, I, I sound old. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying. I feel like I really like that movie because it's so cute. It's like... Mm. The Help, but with robots. Mmm. The help, but with robots. Long, awkward pause. It's like, what can I say about the help, but with robots? <laughs> Nothing, because I, I don't, I don't think that applies. I don't think the, you feel the like he was the help? Man, sure, okay, fair enough. But he, he transcends that. Right, and so and, do and, and black so, people. <laughs> somewhat. That was like the point that the of. help is like, hey, the help has feelings, and then these people are yes, like, they, robots yes, have feelings too somehow. Mm. Yeah, it, it, somehow. Does that feel movie. like? Generally, it feels like similar. a stretch. It feels like a stretch. Yeah, but you know what? This I'll, is my second go around, so I was yeah. like, new thing. Uh, well, <laughs> and this for, for the second time, from, I, don't, I don't know if it's if it's applicable. I don't know how, how somehow it's worse. Well, just like anything you work at, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Is that look true? At, what look the at fuck? Michael Jackson's it's annoying nose. as hell. You're like, I put in in a few hours, and now it's worse. Yeah, somehow it's worse. Fucking annoying. Okay, so you, you really wanted to get into the 1975 original film adaptation of the 1972 novel. Of the 2004 future remake, reboot, yeah. future reboot. We'll, we'll get there, but I, I, I like that you originally made sure, like, okay, you have to watch the 1975 version. That's of. the better one. It I feel is, like everybody, the better one. everybody only knows about the 2004 version. Yeah, I would say, I would say that it's more well-known. Yeah, because... What's her name? Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yeah. The only role that was ever good for her was, like, when she's a robot in that movie. <laughs> so when she's pretending to be a robot? It suits her, because she has yeah. no facial expressions. Mm. 
No, I, I liked her as Catwoman. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't like her in general, so I'm like not a good person. I don't to like ask. that she's Australian. Love Australians. Not her. They are everywhere though. I don't like I think she pissed me off when they gave her the I Love Lucy role. Have not seen it. Well, me either. I, and okay. I'm not going to. That's, but okay. that's my point. Like she has no, no facial expressions. How is she getting all these roles? Like, sure. I, I think it may have may have been that like Scientology angle for some time. Because <laughs> wasn't she with Tom Cruise for like yeah. ever? Too long. Just Too, probably yeah. traumatized from that. I feel bad for her. I know? would be. Moment of silence for her trauma. <laughs> yeah, moment, yeah. Seriously, she had to deal with that center tooth for however long. Whatever. She's okay now. I and think. he's only like. Five foot six or something. I thought you were gonna Terrible. say like how old he was. <laughs> no, he's like almost sixty. I feel like in this, he's like in his early fifties. Yeah. Tom Cruise is not like if he ever wins Sexiest Man Alive again. He won that one time. Oh, he's won it like a few times. Uh, Hold on. This is. You gotta in, Google shit. In no way am I googling this right now. You put on on here is a two thousand five version, but it's two thousand four. Okay, I apologize. My this... fat my fat fingers apologize. This feels intentional. It feels wow. aggressive. I'm purposely gaslighting you. It about is the year gaslighting. Yeah. It is like male yep. gacy. Is yes. <laughs> one number off. I don't know mm. what else to say about it, but it's not right. Tom Cruise, sexiest. Oh, I already had this queued up. Hold on. You already <laughs> have that. You you searched that several times this week. Yeah, it already came up. This is like your porn. You just look at pictures of him. Yeah. Not ev- I don't need every sexiest man alive. I just need Tom Cruise. <laughs> Although I will, you know what? I will. That's the intro. I don't need every man. I I'm just need the ahead. one for me. <laughs> I'm gonna bookmark this just for future... go back to it later. Yeah, absolutely. Because let's be real, you're gonna look at it again. Smoke shows on here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 1990 Tom Cruise. Easy. Ugh. I mean, that's just like a popularity contest, and I'm sure he was popular at that time. Sexiest Couple Alive, 1993, Richard Gere, Cindy Crawford. I mean, Cindy Crawford was carrying that shit on her shoulders. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Richard, Richard Gere was handsome in, like, the 1950s sense, where it's like, mm. he, he wasn't like with blatantly a nice drunk at all times. Thing. Yeah. He wasn't <laughs> drunk at all times. Yeah, you know, that, like, part to the side and they like brush it over that's the 1950s look yes uh, very familiar so I think about the 1975 version that I really like thank you for reeling it back in the outfits Mm. did you notice that because I feel like I told you we were going to talk about dresses and I we will yes because yeah. the 1975 version, I'm just going to call it like the original version now because 1975 is a long thing. Yeah, I would call it the original version. Okay, so the original version was so realistic and it was so like in its time it made sense for them to think about those things at that Very time. Very fashionista. And it was like, no, it wasn't fashionista. That's the point. It was like... No, I mean Bobby and Joanna. They Sorry. were... They had the bell bottoms. They the had the, like, New York City girl look for sure that didn't exactly, like, make sense with them being moms, but that's, like, besides the point. I just like how when they become robots, they still wear 1970s outfits. But just more... Really covered. Domesticated, yeah. Yeah, but, like, well, I, I love, but it's like, not, like, a 1950s dress. Whereas no. in, the, in the 2004 version where they become robots, more, they more put on, like, a 1950s style. dress yeah. or, like, a, yeah, even, definitely. like, late 90s outfits. Like, they changed silhouettes completely. It was, it was definitely a 70s styling of 1950s in the 1975 Yeah, version. it was, like... It was, like, what domesticated... In like, 1970s, they still had such a, like, housewife role that they were, like, there is an outfit for this shit. Meanwhile, I, in, like, the late 90s and 2000s, they were like, what do housewives wear? So they went, like, all the way back all to the, the back, 1950s, sure. and they took it, like, too far. Definitely feel that. Where it was like, where, where is this place? Like, does anybody even wear that shit? I think sometimes of Kitty from that 70s show. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, like what she would wear. Yeah. If, if they she were just wore dresses. Class. Like, right, 1950s yeah, exactly. dresses. Sure. With an apron over it. Right. Which is, which is a, sure. kind of the feel. Even although, if you're making a casserole that requires no splashing on you. <laughs> You must wear an apron. Right. States the rule book of the housewife. Absolutely. Well, I and, own and one for sure. Do you, so, uh, I, speaking of which, I have from 1954 a Vogue, a copy of Vogue that my grandmother gave me the last time I saw her. And just reading the... I'm so wondering where this is going. <laughs> well, just reading the advertisements and seeing I read the all the articles. I'm not here I for did, the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, you know... It, it is fascinating to see how... Wait, what year was it about? 1954. Yeah. That's still, like, Audrey Hepburn 
type yeah. thing. Like sure. that, she was like the most fashionable thing at the time. Yeah, a lot of the uh, renderings or drawings of dresses that were available for purchase at Sears is a Sears advertisement. Do very much look like I love breakfast at Tiffany's. About, love talking about dresses. Yeah, breakfast too, at Tiffany's. Yeah. Had a lot of different kinds of outfits happening. Another classic sci-fi It was all over. Yes. Do you remember when she, like, turns robot and it's, like, Dude, made of diamonds and shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has the laser eyes. It's crazy. Yeah. It's all diamonds in every direction. Absolutely. So, do you have a favorite character in the movie? I don't have a favorite character. I feel like the movie was so male gacy, which is kind of the point, that they were, like, so focused on, like, why, what do men want, and why do they only search for validation in each other, and, like, all this other shit, that they were not really, like, the women didn't really have full personalities. Like, their whole personality was, I take pictures for fun. Like, I have a hobby. Like, people have hobbies. You don't have to, like, be out there to, well, like, have a hobby. And Bobby Moskowitz, like, she wasn't necessarily a writer. What uh, was her hobby? I don't know that she had one. Her thing was just, like... Being contrarian. Yeah. <laughs> just being upset about yeah. shit. She was like, I will not do dishes. That's my hobby is, like, right. complaining about how I will not do dishes. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the relationships were definitely elaborated upon more in the 2004 version. There was a little bit more depth in that respect. Yeah. It was a very 1975 movie in its dialogue and its interrelations. I love how the women in the 75 movie talk like they're children when they're around their husbands. Like, they put on, like, a different voice and they don't say that much and you're like and then they talk amongst themselves and they're like bitch I fucking hate it here or the, or people the, are mean to me and my husband's an idiot and then he walks in and they're like hey honey or that publicly <laughs> the craziest thing is that Clara Van Sant says like oh I must get this recipe and goes to the next person oh I must get this recipe and everybody's like what's like, happening yeah like <gasps> the, the recipe yeah this, <laughs> Seriously? The, most, the biggest faux pas that somebody yeah can like make. everybody's big thing in the 75 things like I like to play tennis I like to take pictures like that's not really like that weird. Right. And then in the 2004 version, like I run an empire. It's like okay, we took it a little too far now. You can right. be like, yeah, the reimagining is a big old distorted version of the original for sure. Yeah, it was definitely like that. That doesn't exist at all. The 75 version, like if you lived in 1975, you would be like, I could see myself living in that suburb and being like slightly concerned that my neighbor's a robot. Yeah, and you, you can see you can see differences in, in context in so far as that in 1975 version, the main protagonist or antagonist is Diz, you know, short for Disney, if you will, because like, he worked at Disney, he was an Imagineer, oh. and then Mike is short for Microsoft, I didn't know that. which is, uh, I always want to say Willem Dafoe, but Christopher Walken's character. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like that there are kind of updates in that respect yeah, the, the companies think about that it they little, worked for not fully just copying the original that is yeah. nice sometimes the copies are like the sequels or whatever they're just like word for word shot for shot like the cinematography is a bit better in the 2004 version I mean as well. yeah like the track shots in the 1975 version are it, it's not as engaging off the bat and they have a lab and everything like we get to see how the people can right become robots in the, in the 2004 version yeah, yeah. they have a, a the whole like the 1975 version is darker though the men's association yeah allow me to mansplain to you the men's association what do yeah. men call it when they get together <laughs> a disappointment it's, just, <laughs> yes. no, it's yeah, a men's association it's like a murder of do you all often it's a, like it's a disappointment of do you men. disappoint each other as well constantly do you feel like you're like oh mm. oh constantly yeah. yeah yeah we we have uh i feel better aggrandized versions of each other that we like to play in our minds and then when we don't live up to that we constantly cry. we cry we berate each other yeah turn your wives into robots that's like yes yeah make me feel like more not a, a man. not a big stretch no no totally I, it seems totally doable I, I i'm curious how many men in earnest have had that thought be like oh man if only yeah. Both movies have this sex scene where they walk into the house and they they're right. like having loud fake Frank. like performative sex and both times Frank it's like is not that hung I'm sorry every, both times it's like why are you not leaving like you're hanging out for a very long time they're just like oh, what is happening bitch you know what's happening you know, like yeah. can you get out right. you, this is very awkward like I don't want to be here I don't know why they always hang out they're just like that would be the one thing to tell you like oh she's definitely a robot there's no way that normal that's not normal. Yeah. Not, especially not in the middle of the day. <laughs> that's that's what did it for you. You're like, why is it noon? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I was like, hmm, shouldn't Frank be at the pharmacy? This seems in, infeasible. 
All right. He's, he's his own he's, boss. He's, he's self-employed. Man, and when you're self-employed, you can fuck any time of day. If you take anything from this at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then I should become. I should be more self-starting. You're like, why am I working for the man? Yeah. God. <laughs> men are not looking out for you. Nine to five is really screwing up. Not my, even that's what's screwing up my sex other. life. Is the nine to five? Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, you tell that yeah. to yourself. And thank then you. Yeah. Just keep on working at nine to five, so yeah, you never figure you it out that that was not it. For the assisted validation. Um, have you seen the Stepford Husbands? No, so I looked. Did you find it? I looked I it up. It. it was really hard, and like it. honestly, I wasn't even that interested anyhow because I was like, right. okay, the 2004 version already tried to do a thing. It's like men who gives a fuck. Right? Where they like turn it around, and they were they had this like revenge, and their husbands are looking for shit in the supermarket. Mm. And I didn't love that idea. It was like, yeah, I thought that was silly. The original version was meant to say like misogyny is wrong. Like, don't do this to your spouse. Not in any direction. And also, I was unclear in the 2004 version. Is it inferred that they all die and that they become robots again? Or is it the brain implants? Because they show, like, a Joanna, but it's not... I guess it's inferred that if she doesn't go along, that they'll turn her into a robot. Otherwise, she can get the brain implants and turn into a Stafford wife. Why do you think somebody got the brain implants? Well, because that's what they were... When they go down to Mike's... uh, Layer mm-hmm. uh, where they have all of the. Uh, wearing a cape. Elect- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my layer. Um, starts talking like this. Mm-hmm. All right. Only in the basement. The yeah, under- only, yeah, just underbar. by himself. Yeah. Brought to you by the underbar. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Layers are fun. Um, layers are fun, and capes are fun. Don't hate on capes. It just depends on who's wearing it. Judgy face. Yeah. Any hoozles. Uh, yeah. So when, he, but when he goes down, that to, <laughs> no, that's saying it. When he when he goes down to the basement uh, to try to screw up all of like the, you know, yeah, fuck up with the technology. Right. It's showing brain. It's showing a brain with four, in, five, you know, whatever implants. Yeah. On it. Well, at two thousand four version, I feel like they did like they were androids, not robots, right? Because nobody bleed. Nobody has the opportunity to bleed. Nobody gets stabbed. Yeah, nobody so gets it's stabbed hard in the 2004 version. Somebody should have gotten stabbed. Yeah, if only somebody could get stabbed and then we could get some answers. But 2004 like, could have taken a, a page out of 1975's book. A, a few pages. So there's a lot of stabbings. And then also just leave a ton of pages out because they tried to cover so many bases. It was like all over the place. And you don't know if they're androids or robots. But at some point... They fooled the people into thinking that she became a robot when she didn't. And so right. I don't know how the fuck they were supposed to do that when everybody was there. Everybody was present for that shit, remember? They were like, okay, goodbye, go in the basement. And they just assumed that he's going to know how to do that for the first time ever. Thank you. Major hole, major plot hole. Yeah. yeah. And she's just like crying because she just gives up on that shit. Like the whole thing makes no sense. Or she's like, I love you so much that I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, that's fucked. And she was like, they, they just like look into or each other's eyes. Or that it's inferred that they like trust yeah. each other based on a look. They were just like yeah. plan. Bullshit. But, but they didn't actually yeah, total, talk about it. Total bullshit. Like we were never been able to communicate in our relationship for centuries, but this we got right. <laughs> without really saying it, it, it loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we overcame the Yeah, just go in the basement the and they're like, okay, gap. you know what we're doing, right? Oh, obviously. I mean, robot <laughs> yes, so ridiculous. We got this. So they took it too far. There's like I really like how the seventy five version just ends with like tun tun creepy town and you just like imagine the rest. Are you ready for a grown up question? No. Okay. There have always been conflicting public opinion on how the story portrays women like being championed as some by as a great satirical piece with astute commentary while others denounce the film as a cheap way of adapting the women's movement at the time. At the time meaning the seventy five version? Yes. Your thoughts. My thoughts on that. I mean, it was directed by a man. Yes. So... And a story written by a man. And it was written by a man. But, like, I feel like I that's... I would say largely for men. But I feel like that is the point of it. It's, like, male gacy, which is why the women don't... Which is why I don't have a main character that I like, because they don't really have a personality. But I kind of like that about it. Sure. It's, like... That you don't identify with. I like that they're like, women don't have a personality. I would say that's a positive. Because that's kind of what how they felt about them, right? Like, it's not like that's how they're supposed to feel about themselves. I don't know. Whatever my opinion is worth on this subject. Not a dime. Yeah, not a lot. (laughs) You said not a dime? Yeah. Yeah. A nickel? You were saying that. (laughs) Yeah, so what I was saying is, um, you know... Ostensibly, the story is characterizing every single type of person that's involved in 
Like every kind of relationship? Uh, not every kind, but the ones that are portrayed are certainly caricaturized, in my opinion. Right. Well, so, that is, like, marriage is caricaturized even now, like, in the public eye. It's just kind of like... Like Joanna's... Well, this is how it's supposed to work. Joanna's character is, is a bra burner for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. but asks her husband's permission, permission to, for, to do most things, right? Yeah. So, I, you know... Because we already kind of knew that, like, what was her life if she wasn't married? Like, where were her kids go? Like, the whole thing would just be, like, fall apart. So her only thing is just, like, complain. Yeah. Or if you are a smart mouth, like Bobby, like, you'll get yours and end up being a Stepford wife regardless, even if you yeah. say, I'll never end up like one of those fucking people. And the the same friend plot in the 2004 version is the same thing. Like, right. you think that they're, like, this couple that they actually, like, know each other and yeah. kind of, like, feels like... But regardless, they he's talk still, still or whatever, and in the end, she just yeah. ends up blonde and the yep. same as, like, everyone else. Yeah, they seemingly have a good thing going. But yeah. Every, but it just goes to show that everybody has their problems. But that's what and, I was like, saying, there like... There is no such thing as the, the perfect society. The point of, like, the male gacy thing of it is, like, it's all about how they don't respect women and so I really I like to see that it was written and directed by men and they were open and just like forward about like we just don't respect women yeah. this is like <laughs> this is what's going on and you're like okay thank you just fucking say that sure yeah no it, it is refreshing in that respect yeah um, at least you're like admitting it yeah sure that's all I got on that that's great I mean it doesn't have to be that's the point like feminism is not just for women it doesn't have to be like female led it doesn't have to be like all about what was the 2004 version was like every woman in this town used to have an amazing job and we felt threatened by that like I found that really annoying that was not the point of the original movie Mm. that was just like normal couples yeah and and showing that no matter what you know you may think the grass is greener and when it when you find out that it isn't, what what extent will you go to in order to try to capture your part of the? Well, and like for them, it was because they wanted to fit in with the men's association. Yeah. And the men's association at the 2004 version was like a fabrication. We didn't yeah. just magically end up here. This is not a normal neighborhood. We like have wives who have made it big, and it's made us really uncomfortable. So we seeked each other out, and now we turn them into robots. And yeah. we like the little man, but the the even the little man actually had like jobs at MIT and shit like that. It was right, like, very important jobs, but they but were still like still didn't feel like they measured up because of what society dictates a man. Ought to be right. They felt, or for whatever series of reasons, yeah, that they did not, you know, necessarily. I feel like we fixed it. We fixed it. Yeah. Oh, great. Done. I mean, like just like not like in the past two hundred years. I mean, like just now. Just now. So moving forward, two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, Moving forward, it's all fixed. Just stop being so threatened and be honest and say that you don't respect women because at least it's just out there. You know, just let it. Yeah, it's true. I I feel like that diatribe of oh, if I'm not the breadwinner, then I don't have, have any value, is slowly dying, thankfully. I didn't like their relationship anyway, though. The 2004 version, like, I, maybe it's because I don't like Nicole Kidman that much, but I didn't like their... It was strange. What yeah. was that voice that she do? Like, she do the same thing as the wives in the 75 version, where they, like, talk different when their wife, but the husband was there. When she was, like, pleading for her life to not become a robot, she was like, but you and I... Like, her voice just got lower and lower. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it speaks to the many faces that women find themselves having to put on, regard, like, you know, depending on the situation that they find themselves in. I can't speak to that too much, but from what I've, you know, had conversations with Just put yourself women, in my heels. I would love to. Do you have a size 13 men? My sister does. Yeah, if you have a pair of size 13 men, just let me know. Next time you go on stage, I'll bring them to you. Please. I'm going to uh, do it. Or do they have a red... I like a red bottom. Yeah, no, I'm going to do a nude. Nude? Oh, Don't want to look like, like a yeah. hooker out there. Yeah, okay. Well, you know. Looking out for you. Yeah, thank you. Although, if, if you got it, flaunt it, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is that you have, a size 13 foot? I got something. <laughs> I got something going on. It's true. You said you like the 75 version better, but you didn't tell me why. Oh, I like the 75 version better because it's like the 2004 version meets The Shining. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately... You wanted more stabbings. I wanted a lot more stabbings. That was not enough. No, not enough blood, and the the special effects were not good. I feel like a lot of um, gruesome cooking would have fit in really well. You know, like, she's dead inside, and now she's, Mm. like, killing a chicken. No big deal. Mm. Or Walter. Walter could have kicked the chicken? No, like, chopping up. Walter Stakes. Yeah, just kind of, like, to scare people, like, casually. You know, like, you don't mind if I, like... Serve up. Yeah. My husband. 
And it's like really bloody. I, was, right. I didn't even like finish cooking it. Yeah, it's nope. Fine. It's very raw. That would have because what great. happened to the bodies? That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, there had to there had to have been some sort of system, like some sort of H H Holmesian house, like a murder castle or incinerator. Somebody's gonna know where the bodies are. And yeah. like, what happens if you want to reverse it? Seventy-five versions, just like your wife's no, gone forever. That's dude. it. Like, yeah, it's a very a permanent call. thing. Yeah, Frank better see. But I feel like you can make upgrades and, and shit like that. You know, like if you got tired, with like it's the, a car, you just like add. Right. You're like, I don't like it. Yeah, I, more yeah. SIM cards or something. She's not remembering any of the baseball games that I like. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Just, just upload card. baseball stats. Yeah. <laughs> And as technology improves, I mean, you just get, you know, version 2.0, version 3.0. Just keep adding, like, an iPhone when your wife stops charging. Absolutely. And then you open a drawer one day and you have a bunch of (laughs) ex-wives. But technically it's the same girl, so you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I really like how in the... Like, you put put them on a shelf, you know, like, so you can see the... (laughs) The evolution of I don't life want to, to picture life. that. It's no? just like in a clear oh, box. Like, that's not something you want to think like about? Like the... What's right, her name? Yeah, Barbie. No, Barbie. No, you're just like brass dolls on the wall. <laughs> and each one has like an outfit from the year. It's like, this is my 2000s one. Hell yeah. The shoes were really bulky back then. There's like, but right. now this it's one's like got like... platform lifts. Yes. <laughs> no, like... Um, and jeans with a skirt over it for some reason. What's that princess that has the white skin... Snow White? Like Snow White. She has a little coffin that's clear so you can see. Sure. Make sure she can run away or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's every the man's, one. Every man's dream. Yeah. Just put a lid on it. Like a topper where, like, make sure the lids and the sides are tight. Yeah. You gotta get all, all four and sides. that fresh smell sticking out. <laughs> I forgot what I was gonna tell you about that. Oh, no, that's fine. And the 2004 <laughs> version, she, like, when her best friend turns robot, her yeah. kids don't notice like she's just got three boys and this is such a like a commentary on men too it's just like boys will be boys like even the little ones like if you had a daughter she'd be like what happened (laughs) mom at least they'd have some sort of concern boys were like yeah her boys just like became assholes to her immediately tab oh i'm sorry here's 500 dollars. yeah what the fuck like she just became a rug and they were like walk all over her like they didn't even think about it at all they're just like fit in because that's what I would... In the 75 version, they don't even show the kids at all. It'd be like... Not really, yeah. They're just a couple you, of like, scenes. Do you, like, have a heart for the kids who, like, moms you're taking, but they never even, like, mention that. They're just like, eh, kids are like animals. You just feed them. So true. Kids are like animals. And that's definitely, well, like, the 70s. I'm sure five. yours are doing great. Hey, uh... I only can... have one. <laughs> yours. Just... Offensive. Okay. I thought you said you had kids. Multiple. Um... No. Okay. Well, I'm sure your kid is fine. Yeah. I don't want to say it loud, but probably not. <laughs> she did a... She did one of those. She's surviving. That's, yeah, that's what's... She's not... Well, yeah. well that's we're, great. We're thriving. Uh, barring your Mother of the Year award, where can we hear you perform next? Yes. May, Mother... is Mother's Month? What's mm-hmm. it called? Yeah. I actually have a lot of shit in May. I have... That's right. Uh, I'm going to do the Go Comedy Go, and then I have the Underbar, and then I have... The Chill and Phil and Sorry Not Sorry, and I'm doing a uh, Cinco de Mayo thing because I am Mexican. I am required to be at those things. It's part of the agreement. So yeah, May is gonna be busy. Doesn't it have to do with your with Mexico's independence from Spain, no. or is that a misnomer? It's not at all. So okay. Cinco de Mayo was a battle with France. Mm. France was in Mexico, and they didn't like the food, so they left. Is that during the Spanish-American War or the Mexican Independence War? It was during the the Spanish-American, because they were not... Mexico was not yet Spanish-conquered, so the French were like, we could try this shit. And then they gave up because it was, like, hot and awkward, so they mm-hmm. just went home. They just went to Louisiana. And they were like, BRB, and then they never came back. <laughs> they were like, shit, what was that thing we had to do? And the, the Mexicans, Mexicans... Mexicans just, the like... Mexicans. Not, not do the Mexicans, but just, like conquer them right oh, oh. well <laughs> i'm sure there was a fair amount of doing it as well awkward yeah no uh, it's true i mean it's historically <laughs> accurate yeah potentially raping and pillaging usually comes with conquest yeah because they were like not bringing french women places i don't think they'd be happy to like no travel. they kept them back in france so yeah so they just never came back and like it's not really a holiday in mexico like the only time i ever celebrated that in mexico i was in college and it was one of those like you know just find more shit to drink about which is so the, like an Americanized that's version the of the American it, yeah. way. So 
Yeah. Now it's like my life's work to tell people that that's not Mexican Independence Day. Although it would Over be it. nice because it is warmer. Mexican well, Independence Day is in September. And by then it's like, we can't throw a fucking party. I'm cold. So mm. maybe I should just go with it. I, I would celebrate Mexican Independence Day with you. In September, in the cold. Yes. Bring a chal or something. <laughs> You're like, that's like a little. I thought you were going to say poncho because that would be more culturally appropriate. Just to, let you, just to let you know. Charles are women, the women's ones. And I wanted to match your shoes. So my pumps, again, yeah, that's look, true. Yeah, looking no, out I, for you again. I want, the, I want it to match my new pumps, okay? Yeah. Thank you. We'll celebrate either, either way. It's Great. fine. Well, I look forward to it. Looking forward to hearing before I'm next. You can also see, I'm sure you're going to post that on Andrea Menchaca Comedy again on Instagram. Uh, thank you for joining me. Let's go, let's go hit this mic. I mean, I'm was literally held hostage but thank you yes well you're you're very much released now cold now so we have to okay. go yes <laughs> i had a great first time at the underbar mic great room great staff and major thanks to amanda lynn deal as well as juan duran for being an awesome host Alrighty, your application to the men's association has been approved but Part of your initiation is having to endure this water cooler fact. <sighs> Since the films were based off of a book, this week's water cooler facts are all about author Ira Levin and his motivations for writing The Stepford Wives. Ira Marvin Levin, born August 26, 1929, was a Jewish-American novelist, playwright, and songwriter. His most noted works include the novels A Kiss Before Dying in 1953, Rosemary's Baby in 1967, The Stepford Wives in 1972, and The Boys from Brazil in 1976, as well as the play Death Trap in 1978. Many of his novels and plays have been adapted into successful films. After college, Levin wrote training films and scripts for radio and television. The first of these was Lita's Portrait for Lights Out in 1951. His debut novel, The Murder Mystery, A Kiss Before Dying, was published in 1953. The story is told in three parts, from the point of view of the supposed killer of a young girl, and from the points of view of the girl's two sisters as they hunt said killer. The book received excellent reviews and won the Edgar Award for the Mystery Writers of America as the best first novel of 1953. Levin's best-known play is Death Trap, which holds the record as the longest-running comedy thriller on Broadway. Levin won his second Edgar Award with this play, and in 1982, it was adapted as a film of the same name starring Christopher Reeve and Michael Caine. Levin's best-known novel is Rosemary's Baby, a horror story of modern-day Satanism and other occultisms set in Manhattan's Upper West Side. In 1968, it was adapted into a film written and directed by Roman Polanski. It starred Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes. Ruth Gordon won an Oscar for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for her performance as well, Levin said in 2002, quote, I feel guilty that Rosemary's Baby led to The Exorcist and The Omen. A whole generation has been exposed, has more belief in Satan. I don't believe in Satan, and I feel that the strong fundamentalism we have would not be as strong if there hadn't been so many of these books. Of course, I don't send back any of the royalty checks. Aha! So Satan does have a grasp on thee, Mr. Levin, especially since you're very much dead now and has been since November 12, 2007. He died aged 78 from a heart attack in his New York home. In a writing career spanning six decades, he published just seven novels and went 14 years between his first and second books. He's quoted as saying, I have never been able to work unless I'm really excited about what I'm doing, unless it demands to be written. When asked specifically about his motivation behind writing the book, The Stepford Wives, Levin said, he was inspired by a section in Alvin Toffler's book Future Shock on domestic robots. Levin noted that he wrote the book just after going through a divorce and was, quote, feeling pretty bitter about the relationship between the sexes, which is a far cry from the motivations attributed by generations of feminists, which isn't to denounce the numerous examples made throughout the book and the 1975 movie uh, to feminist schools of thought and action, for which there are certainly many.
I'd like to thank the sources for this week's episode, particularly once again to Laura for writing a great synopsis and comparison and contrast piece between the book 1975 film and the 2004 remake. Aside from whythebookwins.com, sources include IMDb, LATimes.com, Wikipedia, because if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. And although I didn't get into this theory, there is a great article comparing the 1975 version of the film to Jordan Peele's Get Out that identifies a lot of parallels and can be found on azcentral.com, written by Randy Cordova. Okay, I'm super excited for the next five episodes because... For the entire month of May, Science Factual will be all about Star Wars. And do we have a phenomenal lineup? Check this out. Airing Tuesday, May 3rd, yes, I know that is a tragic missed opportunity, but this show airs on Tuesdays, so perhaps in 2027 I'll have an extra special May the 4th episode lined up. If we all still exist then. Anyway, the first of five episodes covers the prequel series, episodes 1, 2, and 3, as well as the Clone Wars animated series, I'll be tackling that with AJ Valentine. Then on May 10th, Danielle Porter joins us again for a dive into Rogue One, as well as episodes 4, 5, and 6. From there, we tackle episodes 7, 8, and 9 with Zane Thomas. That episode is set to air on May 17th. On May 24th, Jamie Carbone is going to grace us with his nerd knowledge of the books, various video games, and we're going to discuss the Star Wars Holiday Special, because it is extra special. Wrapping up the month on May 31st, I'm going to sit down with the very funny Marla Massey to revisit the Clone Wars animated series in a bit more depth, as well as a dive into The Mandalorian and the supporting Book of Boba Fett season. Now that's a lot of Star Wars, and you can bet that we're going to talk a lot about Jar Jar Binks. Misa called Jar Jar Binks! Ugh, we know. Okay, you know what? Maybe not. Never mind. I'm, we may not actually go into him. Fair warning, bring your tinfoil hats, folks. You can catch each and every one of these episodes and future episodes of Science Factual every Tuesday from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Make sure you download the Shady Pines Radio app wherever it is you barter for your apps. Once you have it on your mobile device, you're going to have a 24-hour portal to pure entertainment and tunage. Oh, and did I mention that it's totally free? Before we go, here's a clip of Andrea doing her thing over at the Underbar mic. Enjoy! And on the fifth day of Women's History Month... I'm already exhausted. And I feel like the history part of it feels like a thread. Like men are like, you can have a month, but you are history now. Amy, <laughs> <laughs> I want a month. Is this all you? <laughs> I like to imagine a, word, a world where men cry. Um, I'm in a grocery store and I hear a man crying and I just like walk around the aisle and he's like in the floor by the old spice deodorants. <laughs> on the floor and I'm like oh sweet boy are you okay and he's like they don't make the minty forest scent that I like anymore and it's like who even am I if I can smell like the minty forest <laughs> and I'm like well there's 107 nine more scents so maybe we can find something that will suit you
what it is there as a society, we can't understand that trans women are women, but we all agree that men can be OBGYNs. <laughs> I have never had a trans woman come up to me and try to like make me feel like uh, like gaslight me about my uterus. Like that's never happened. <laughs> but doctors are like, that's totally normal. That contraction that you're feeling, that's fine. And I'm like, that's amazing that you remember being inside your mom. But right now, <laughs> the problem that I'm having, I feel like might be a little different.